The street fight has done it again. Sergio Perez wins in Azerbaijan to take his sixth career victory to beat his teammate. Kick of the streets. Ah, well done, guys. Red Bull Racing dominated the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, taking a commanding 1-2 finish. Sergio Perez coming home ahead of his teammate, Max Verstappen. Checo, very well done to you. Sprint victory yesterday, winner of the Grand Prix today. What a weekend for you. Yeah, it was a great weekend overall. You know, we we delivered when we had to. It was a lot of pressure, a lot of... of um, I felt that with this format, you know, it puts a lot of stress on the on the drivers, on the engineers, uh, mechanics. So the way we delivered uh, over the weekend uh, was great. Yesterday we executed a, a good race, but I think today, today um, the way we push each other, Max, myself, pretty much from uh, lap one onwards. Uh, once we got uh, uh, Charles, we were basically it was a race between us um, from a start to the to the end, you know. And, and um, I think that first stint was uh, a big key to to my race today. It was a very intense battle, similar to Saudi in many ways. Um, how did it feel in the cockpit? Very intense, um, you know. First stint was super intense between uh, just making sure I, I stayed in that DRS. And once I, I was in the DRS, just pushing Max to make sure that uh, he, he used his tires. And I think uh, that was one of the keys. Uh, but then once we were on the on the hard compound, it was really hard, you know, to, to keep Max behind. Because, uh, yeah, I, I knew that as soon as he will get DRS and um, that's it, really. So just to keep him behind the, the, the DRS was a massive challenge. And we were pushing each other massively. We, we really gave it all lap after lap and um, I'm really happy to come away with the with this victory. It really was an emphatic victory. Welcome everybody to F1 Nation with me Tom Clarkson and Damon Hill and a little later in the show Juan Fossaroli from ESPN. We're joined in no particular order during the show by Helmut Marco, Jean Alesi, Esteban Ocon, Mark Webber and Franz Tost. I hope you enjoy the show. Well, Damon, it feels like we have a proper championship on our hands now. Is that how you feel coming out of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix? We want a championship, don't we? We want to see Formula One going all the way through the season with a tight battle. And if we've only got two Red Bull drivers, that's still good, isn't it? We've seen some fantastic titanic battles with dominant teams, but with the two drivers within the, those teams being the contenders. And so to see the gap close again after the sprint weekend that we've had here in Baku and you know going forward we can go to the next race thinking well what's going to happen next you know I think it's a good thing and and do you think Checo has proved this weekend that he really has got the measure of Max yeah I mean Saudi I, I was surprised at how he managed to hold him at bay you know um in that race and so but one swallow doesn't make a summer does it but he's done it again he's done it again here okay got lucky with the safety car uh, Max would have been out there but probably if Max had got I uh, hadn't been unlucky with the safety car and was leading in track position on Sergio. And there were two Red Bulls up there, but Sergio was second. I'm not sure that Sergio's got the strength to to bring the fight to Max in a, in a long-distance race because they were very evenly matched. And I just think you could see that the guy behind was probably struggling more than the guy in front. Helmut Marcos just walking past us right now. Helmut, just very quickly, can I have a very quick chat? This weekend seems to have confirmed to all of us that you guys 
whatever Ferrari, whatever the others throw at you, you have got a rocket ship this year. Has it confirmed it in your mind or did you know it already? No, you see, both pole position went to Ferrari, so they are coming closer. And in the last couple of the laps, Alonso and Leclerc did the same lap times like we. We didn't slow down. So it's a hard fight and you have always keep pushing. I was just saying before we arrived, Helmut, that uh, if the safety car had worked out differently and Max had got out ahead of Sergio, I can't see Sergio actually having passed Max. So Max was stuck behind Sergio for the race as well. But, you know, I think that they seem to be quite evenly matched, but I still think Max is quicker over race distance. If you have clear air? I mean, he was unlucky with the safety car, yes. But Sergio on the street circuit, he has the most podiums here. So don't underestimate Sergio. He changed a lot since he came to us. He started working. Are you taking the credit now? <laughs> no, we're not taking the credit. But before he was a, oh, a Mexican race driver who was enjoying life. He yes. still does, but he doesn't necessarily work. You're showing him how to win. <laughs> yeah. Do you see a change in his hunger? Do you feel Sergio is more hungry this year than he has been in either of the previous years? Last year, you know, he was looking how many races were won by the Rodriguez brothers. Should we get him out of the rain? It started to... I mean, this is the classic, isn't it? It's rained after the race, not during the race. Um, But the heavens have opened here in Baku. And he's the most successful driver from Mexico now. And they have a long history and good drivers. Decent 80th birthday present for you. Very decent and a proper one, not say ninth or tenth cake I got. Wherever I went, restaurant, bar, everywhere a cake showed up. You know? Helmut, many thanks. Good to chat to you. Interesting to hear Helmut say that Checo... Learned a lot. Yeah, he's yeah, learned was, a lot. And that's almost changing his attitude, yeah. I feel, is what Helmut was saying. Because they, they also said the similar thing about Danny Ricciardo coming back to them, didn't they? And they, they, they put him in the sim and they've looked at the way he's driving and they, they were saying he's picked up lots of bad habits. We don't know where he's been, but he's, they've, they've ruined him. You know, and now they're, tra- they're reteaching him, they're retraining the driver. Um, so at Red Bull, they don't just provide you with the car, they actually teach you to drive as well. And so Checo is now two wins from four max is two wins from four just the six points separating them we go to another street track in miami next week you do i don't you don't (laughs) i'm going to miami very much looking forward to it but i mean checo seems to me to be the street circuit king and i i I see no reason why it can't be as close when we go there he always had he's had this reputation hasn't he of being very very light on the throttle and able to judge the wheel spin and, and you know whisper the tires and I think that that is still a, has, still has been a factor around here he's also committed and incredibly precise if you watch his driving he doesn't leave much of a margin he certainly doesn't you know when he touched he's, the wall on the outside of yeah. 15 he's just said in the press conference that actually it helped me a little bit I was having a little bit too much understeer and that yeah. just sort of nudged nun- well, things at the front <laughs> in the right direction yeah, he said he gave it a hefty clonk, but then he, he didn't come, you know, he didn't actually say to anyone on the radio. And so the engineer, it's incredible, isn't it? They're sitting back in the garage and they're going, what the hell's that? They've just seen a big spike on their data, accelerometers or something, showing that the cars suddenly jump sideways. And they decide to call him up and go, Has anything, have you done anything at turn 15, by the way? He's leading a Grand Prix yeah. and they just want to know why they've got yeah. this. And um, he doesn't want to fess up, does And he it? goes, yeah, I just hit the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing Helmut said there is that, you know, Ferrari have got the two poles this weekend. Are they getting closer? I mean, yes, that's a fact. They did get both poles, but 
you know, Max was, what, 20 seconds ahead of Charles at the end. And, and Charles uh, said after the race that he actually thinks Aston Martin were faster than Ferrari over a race distance. I think, so, well, I, well, Fernando was catching him and closing and then he got a dirty air. So probably, yes, it's extraordinary. They've got the car that can do the lap time in quality. Um, but something happens to it over a run. It's taking too much out of the tyres and then, then they're losing... They're losing performance that way. So if you look at tyre degradation, you know, if you draw a straight line, it's pretty much a straight line usually, roughly speaking. Theirs is a steeper one, declining uh, Except or increasing lap time. in defence yeah. of Ferrari, Charles, with six laps to go, set the fastest lap of the race. Now, clearly he'd been managing his tyres, but there was yeah. pace in that car at the end of the yeah, race. Yeah, but they can't use the pace. That's the point. If they push, they, they, they suddenly the, the, the temperatures go up and the tire degrades more quickly and they, they just will struggle they have to they have to do too much recovery um, of the tire and and then they're vulnerable to attack so that's why they're playing this this really what what my old teammate from formula 3 would call trindly trindly martin donnelly uh, he he had a word for the kind of driving where you have to be really careful but you're not really aggressive and he called it trindly trindly <laughs> now look talking of teammates damon you know what it's like to fight an intra-team battle for a world championship. Yeah. You against your teammate. If we're just looking at Checo versus Max, at least for the foreseeable, how do they keep that friendly? They, they said after the race that there is mutual respect. No, he gave but there's only mutual respect until there isn't. Well, I, I saw them do the post-race interview, so I, I saw them get out the car and Max went over to, saw his own mechanics, and then he did, he gave Checo a hug actually gave him a big handshake and a hug and so well, you know as it, in it's what well I mean you, well you done. beat me fair and square yeah absolutely yeah so I think there is respect there but Checo's got the resilience you know things bounce off him he's got rhino skin I think that's really important well we've just strolled past Ferrari you know the first pole of 2023 with Charles Leclerc it really has been a horrid start to the season for them and then it was tin hats on coming into this weekend for for the senior management there with all the talk of yeah. laurel mechies their racing director off to alpha tower at the end of yeah. the year of course david sanchez already confirmed going charles leclerc being talked about going to mercedes toto not denying yeah, it over it's the weekend. Like there's a fire at ferrari <laughs> people are running for the for the door uh, but uh, i'm sure that's not exactly what was it what was going on but i think i have been impressed with fred vassar he keeps on a keeps on a cheery demeanor and a wry sense of humor about the whole thing um and I, I i he's probably at the moment thinks he's in an earthquake or something that's holding onto the table but eventually it'll pass and it'll settle down and he'll be able to piece things back together again and, and this this performance they've seen in their car on the street circuit here there's signs of encouragement but it's the again as i said it's the race pace where you know that red bull can can obviously comply the tire or just have more downforce it's not sliding as much throughout a race you know they, they probably are sacrificing ultimate one lap pace in order to be quick in the race so if you if you applied that to the ferrari you'd probably see a ferrari qualifying eighth you know or sixth. damon i also think we're just uh as you can hear the music in the background, everyone's busy packing up because of, there's a lot of uh, air freight that needs to get off to Miami as soon as possible. But well, it's mad, isn't I it? I would say Charles Leclerc is driving better than yeah. I've ever seen him. Well, Those he, two qualifying pole positions this weekend, outrageously brilliant. Yes, and he's not doing the, not so many of the silly mistakes where I always think there's two types of drivers. There's one that you have to push to be fast and then they crash. 
and then there's ones that crash and you have to get them to slow, slow down so that they don't crash and then they're still fast. And he's one of those. Uh, you know, he, he's blindingly quick. He's so mature and confident, but he is only 25. So I think he's getting to that point where he's being confident with the team as well as anything else. I was very surprised at the gap between the two Ferrari drivers this weekend. It seemed like Carlos Sainz was just struggling all weekend, but Damon, yeah. I see, I see a former Ferrari driver in front of me, Jean Alessi. Jean, it's lovely to see you. How are you? I'm fine. You are with Damon, the, the I think superstar? I'm with, I'm, I think I'm, <laughs> I'm with Tom. Okay. Jean, we've just been discussing what a turbulent build-up to this weekend it was for Ferrari with all the talk of, is Charles going to go to Mercedes? What's going on with the senior management in terms of staff movements? You've been here, you've done it with Ferrari. What's your assessment of where they're at? Demon, you, maybe you can help me because <laughs> I think the dream for a lot of drivers is to be a Ferrari driver and Charles is in Ferrari. I don't think he wants to leave. I've got a question for you, Jean. Do you, I was thinking about street tracks and I remember you in the Tyrol at Monaco and there were some guys who liked street tracks. You liked street tracks, didn't you? You seem to. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Why? Why? He has to fit with the driving style. But when you like to have, um, let's say, the car on the nose, uh, he helps you a lot because um, it's all about anticipation. You need to have uh, uh, as quick as possible your steering wheel straight. So if you go into the corner with a little slide, you open the steering wheel earlier and you have a better speed exit so that is uh, maybe the key of uh, being fast on the because because charles is you know on this uh, i think in qualifying trim around he's he's blindingly fast karun chunduk says he thinks he's the fastest uh, over one lap uh, of all the drivers at the moment it's true it's true and um, immediately we, uh, we we found out in the turn one he was already on the limit he was already kissing the barrier and that was uh, already um, a message for the lap time he had at the end. Can I ask you a question, right? Jean, your decision to go to Ferrari and not Williams all the way back in the day, that opened the door for you, didn't it, old man? Probably, yeah. It's a bit, yeah. <laughs> I, left, I yeah. left the room for, for Demon. But uh, no. What's that game where you have to move all the letters around and get them in the right order? You know, it's like one, someone else has to move first and then you can move to the next one. But um, Jean was in Formula 1 way before me. So, you know, I had to wait for these guys to move, get out of the way. <laughs> John, it's lovely to see you. And especially you together. You're a good couple. <laughs> Very kind. Thank you, John. See you soon. Look, Damon, what about Mercedes? You know, Lewis Hamilton comes home in the race P6. Yeah. George Russell, fastest lap, P8. Yeah. I mean, after what they did in Melbourne, you know, particularly George starting yeah. on the front row of the grid there, I had high hopes for them here because the, the new surface that was on the track here in Azerbaijan, I'd been mm. told, wasn't dissimilar to Melbourne, to Albert Park. So I thought maybe they were going to be as quick, but no, it's been... Yeah, it's still... They're still what are we, third on. quickest, fourth quickest well, car here, mate? They haven't slipped that much further back. I think they've, you know, the, the, at the start of the season, it was shock horror. They're not competitive. And then there was all the pressure from the press and, and pressure on the management. And they seem to put in place the changes. They've got James Allison back. And so I think there's a, the heat is off them for a little bit. Um, but the results, yeah, yet to come. But they've got one at Imla, haven't they? They've got a package coming in. Well, they will tell you that they have little bits coming at every race. But yeah, Imola is where we're going to see the sort of noticeable difference. You know, uh, I think side pods and and things like that. Both drivers drove well. I mean, George has had that 
you know, argy-bargy with Max, which was controversial. Maybe maybe he was a bit impetuous, you know, but uh, but nevertheless, that is racing. He, he showed that he's going for the gap. As Ayrton said, if you're not going for the gap, you're not a racing driver. Well, just, I mean, you're referring to the sprint race there, of course, where on that opening lap, they, they did have that kerfuffle going into, you know, in fact, Max is just uh, coming past us now, chatting to Liam Lawson, who is the team's third driver. But yeah. Is rubbing racing, I suppose, is my question to you, in Formula One, or is this a non-contact sport? Did George Russell do anything wrong in that sprint race when him and Max came together and Max well, was left with a hole in his side pod? Since they've made the cars more robust, banging wheels is seen as uh, acceptable. But, you know, when you go into the side pod of someone and you, you damage their aero and, you know, and potentially put them out of the race as well, then that is probably a bit too much. I would like to see less contact. But it's very difficult to ask people to provide the entertaining racing and not take any risks and not take any chances. The taking of a risk implies that there's going to be times when it doesn't work. And one person, you could come off badly or the other person come off badly. I mean, I certainly don't think it's, it should be encouraged. I don't think that, you know, you should try to get them to barge into each other going into corners, 90 degree well, corners the, on street tracks. The FIA's yeah. view, I think, was that George was alongside him. What I mean, else is he meant to do? Yeah, but it's if, very if we difficult. don't allow what happened yeah. in that sprint race, then there will be no overtaking I mean, in Formula One. I mean, you know, you could definitely argue that Max was on the outside. He knew he was going to be a compromised position. He could have backed out of it. He didn't. He chose to, to hug the outside and leave enough room or what he thought was enough room for George. But that is not an exact science. You know, they're very good drivers, but... You know, you can't be sure every time that it's going to work. And also, <laughs> I know that Max referred to George as Princess George in the Dutch media after that sprint race. You know, it's all playground stuff, isn't it? Playground but, stuff. But, yeah. but does, I don't know, even in your day, does it get personal, something like that? You know, did you have, or do you just ignore what other drivers are saying? They're young lads. They're young. They're 25 years old. And they fought in these competitions all their life and they make it known that they're not to be messed with. You can't be the weak link, can you? You can't be the guy that could be rolled over. So they do, you know, puff their chests out from time to time and go and, and you get those confrontations. And sometimes a word can be very hurtful. Sometimes it, it doesn't, it's off a duck's back. The rain is still falling. We are still getting wet. We're walking down the paddock. And actually, who's gonna go up to Estvanok on first, you or me? Blimey. It hasn't been a great weekend for Alpine. They turned up with a new floor and various other upgrades. They had high hopes, as yes. uh, anyone who listened to last oh, week's I, show will know from our chat with Otmar Safnauer, the team principal, yeah. and then it just unraveled from that first I practice session. I literally was chatting with Alan Pemain just here at the start of the weekend. I was saying, God, I bet you're glad you've managed to have three weeks to fix all the, the rubbish that you got in uh, back from Australia. And they were saying, yeah, and they're really optimistic, and, and it's just been a mare. Yeah. Where's, where's yeah. it all gone? Yeah, yeah, that was your Francais coming out. Now, Esteban, do you believe in luck? I think there is an element of it, but it never comes by itself. So, not completely, no. What about bad luck? I mean, it's been a pretty rough weekend for you guys. I think I think you need to, you need to provoke the bad luck, and yes, we had um, you know a part of of it, but um, you know it was a very disrupted weekend uh, in general for us and. Um, there are a lot of things that we need to review and 
and analyze to come back stronger uh, in general. So, How were the upgrades? I mean, I suppose the race for you today was as much as anything a bit of a test session, is that right? Well, not really. We were trying to, you know, get back, uh, you know, through the field and try uh, um, an all-in strategy. That was the term, really. And it was, it was working well until that moment that we had to, to pit, unfortunately, and the safety car didn't come at the right time, like, like it did on the rest of the weekend also. So it was not a completely uh, a test session, but there is a lot for us to review. I don't think it is the true pace of the car. I think we had more uh, in hands, but obviously, yeah, we didn't put it together and we didn't use the potential properly this weekend. Do we need to go to a permanent racetrack? Because it seems that these street tracks, there are so many variables. Do we need to wait until we get to Imola before we really see what you can do? No, I, I don't think it is an excuse. Um, in general, street tracks or not, we should be you know, able to, to fight for points. But, you know, we had only one session. We did three laps uh, in that session in practice. And, you know, from there on, um, you know, we had to change the setup because it, it was a critical issue that we had to fix. And yeah, I mean, things kept getting worse, you know, each session. And obviously we started in the pit lane both races, so it makes things even more, even more difficult. So yeah, um, a weekend not to forget completely because there's a lot to learn uh, from it. But uh, the good thing is that we can turn things around next week and we are not sleeping, you know, three weeks on a difficult weekend like that. It's down to you guys, isn't it? The drivers, you've got to lift the spirits of the team because it's they put in so much hard work. And to get a weekend exactly. where you just get kickbacks the whole time is very tough, isn't it? Yeah, to for sure. Going. For sure. And uh, and also at the factory, you know, to uh, to bring these uh, these new updates, these new floors that uh, we had this weekend. Uh, there's been a, a huge amount of work going on. And uh, obviously, we, um, we are not happy with the outcome of, of this weekend. But, uh, you know, we win and lose together. Uh, we lost this weekend. That's how sports is sometimes. Do you feel the intensity's gone up for the drivers? Are these harder weekends than a yeah. conventional one? Yeah, you don't, you don't want that every weekend, especially on back-to-backs. And I think the most tricky time of the weekend um, is definitely after that FP1 moment where everything is rushed to get the setup in the car. Um, but also the Saturday morning where you have the spring quality uh, shootout. And that moment we didn't drive, we didn't have a warm-up in the morning. And uh, going into quality with no laps, that's something I've never seen before. Cold shower to wake you up. Exactly. Cold shower, not a lot of breakfast, and uh, go for it. Esteban, thank you very much for talking to us. Have a good trip to Miami. We'll see you next weekend. What a rough weekend for those guys. Actually, you know, I thought he spoke very well then, just about what lessons can be learned. And, yeah, and very, very good. But also, he's got his feet under the table at Alpine. For someone like Pierre Gasly, who's still new... How hard is it when it's just you keep getting these setbacks? Well, that's part of the resilience you need to be a sports person, but particularly a sport like this where you, your equipment lets you down uh, or some unforeseen kind of thing puts you out of contention. You know, in other sports, you think about tennis, you know, <laughs> your racket very rarely, well, it does break, but you can replace it. Or someone decides to take you out <laughs> in the first surf. It doesn't happen in those sports, you know, whereas in Formula One, there's a lot of random chance involved, which is just, I suppose golf is a bit like that, but it's called the rub of the green, isn't it? You just have to yeah, but soak it up. And it, sometimes it seems like it's never going to change and you keep getting bad weekends. And then suddenly out of the blue, bang, something happens and you're rejuvenated. Talking of rejuvenated, just in front of us, the two Red Bull drivers coming down from their debrief, I guess, heading out for another team photo in the pit lane. They'll be getting that uh, well-deserved and all-important photo of victory. The whole team, one, two, 
for them at this Grand Prix and it will go on the wall, it'll go in the fire, it'll go out to the press, it'll go out to the world. But uh, they must feel an incredible sense of pride. And it's, you know, you can hear them, the, the people who work for a team like that, they get their reward. They, we've just come from Alpine and we're going to the other end of the spectrum here at Red Bull where they, they enjoy success. So and, and the pit lane is not long, is it? You know, the yeah. different moods you get literally from one garage to the next. We're looking at the Red Bull boys went into garage nine here at Baku and in garage eight, you've got Ferrari, they're packing up. A little bit of head scratching, number 55, that's Carlos Sainz, you know, Carlos had a good race. He always seems to be better in the races than in qualifying, but he's probably thinking there was a bit too much of a gap to his teammate. There was this a weekend. stonking gap, wasn't it? Half a second or something. Um, but were two, uh, this is where I get lost now. We, got, we had two qualifying sessions, so I can't remember which one I'm talking about. <laughs> but on the positives, yeah. uh, he was pretty pumped up coming into the weekend, was Carlos Sainz, because he's going to play Augusta. What? After the Miami Grand Prix. After the Miami Grand Prix. So you yeah, yeah. work first, then work, play. Yeah. Well, I hope so. I'll be <laughs> We're just going to grab Mark Webber as he strolls past. Look, Oscar Piastri, your boy, Mark. He comes home 11th. We know he's been ill. Talk of him losing three kilos this weekend. How big a performance was that? Yeah, it was pretty solid, mate. I think Saturday in particular was, uh, was very special considering uh, he was in all sorts of trouble during the day. And I mean, like, how bad? Was, it, was he vomiting? Uh, and... Yeah, yeah, he was. He, we don't want to go into too much detail, <laughs> TC, but it was not pretty. Um, but you know, did he vomit in his helmet? He like you did no, no, he didn't. Oh. But he knuckled down. The team did a great job. The doc did a great job. And you know, as we know, as elite sports people, every now and again, you've got to. Uh, there's some bumps in the road sometimes with your health in terms of you know the travel we do. And he just got caught out here. Um, so yeah, he he did well. Uh, I think you know, some of the call-outs. I think his qualifying performance in Q3 on Friday was on the scrub tire. Was you know he didn't use the last set there, so that was a special session for him. He's been. Um, Getting the most out of the car, really, the updates have worked well. So it was another huge weekend for him to put into the hard drive for future events. And for McLaren, do you feel their season starts now? Well, I think that they have definitely, uh, you know, made some improvements, which they're, they're happy with. Of course, no one in this paddock is resting on their laurels. We all know that everyone bringing upgrades is a broken record because everyone is. Um, so you've just got to go out and deliver when you can. So I've got to go to the airport, TC. You have, You're all in right. great hands with the big man here. He looks excited too. <laughs> Crack on. I have no idea what you're talking about. Can you walk in too fast? Hey, Mark, thank you. Safe travels. What do you say? See you at the next one. <laughs> I see Oscar as a sort of mini me now. When I look at Mark and Oscar, I see no difference because the fact that Oscar didn't bleat in the press about his illness, we all sort of had to find out. We sort of, I feel that that's just a very Mark Webber thing to do. And I remember when Mark vomited in his helmet in a race back in the yeah. day. He just sort of got on with it. And Oscar's very much cut from the same cloth, isn't he? There was a famous Monty Python sketch that involved Australians, but I'm not going to insult <laughs> people by uh, quoting it here. But uh, yeah, the idea being that the Australians are made tough and they, uh, they don't uh, easily complain about things. So I think definitely put that, apply that to Mark. He's, he's definitely puts himself through all sorts of tortures, like, you know, running, cycling and running and breaking his leg and getting yeah. back in the car and all that stuff. So rubs off. Now look, while we're talking McLaren, so Oscar Piastri comes home 11th and Lando Norris P9. They did bring those upgrades. The team were talking about sort of 0.2 of a second improvement, but much greater consistency with the tires, things like that. Yeah. Um, I just asked Mark whether he felt McLaren's season starts now. It's almost as if 
this is the launch spec car for that team and they get going yeah, now. I wonder whether that was the problem, whether there was a delay. They, they kind of, you know, James Key was asked to leave um, and why? Because if he probably had some influence. These things don't just pop out of nowhere. So yeah. no, that these, is the great irony. Yeah. The, this upgrade here this weekend would have been signed off when James was still at the team. But reading between the lines, it was, it seems to me that he, it hit the decision to go down that route wasn't taken until it was too late to have him on at the start of the season. So I think maybe that was the problem. This is where they should have started and then they could have carried on working. So they're, they're you know, four months, five months behind where they should be. Yeah, but, but, okay, the whole, the whole grid is behind. Nine teams are behind Red Bull. But actually, I think in terms of pace, McLaren are close enough now. There's no one out of range apart from maybe Red Bull. Well, they are getting closer to being in that mix, aren't they, of the Ferrari and Aston bunch and maybe Mercedes. Oh, yeah, I guess, you know, there is a very, there's an interesting B group, isn't there? The A group is Red Bulls and then behind them there's a B group of, of very strong teams and then there's a, maybe a C group of... Well, how big is the B group? I would put, you could almost put every team well, maybe maybe bar two, but that B group, that middle grid, as yeah. you call it, is is huge this year. Yeah, but you've got the you've got the teams like Williams and and uh, and Haas who occasionally put one in in qualifying, but they just can't hold it in the race. It's holding it in the race that's it's crucial. It's holding onto that slot you've you've bagged in qualifying throughout a 51 lap race here in Baku. Now look who's joined us. You've been a busy man. It's Juan Fossaroli from ESPN. Good of you to join us, big man. Hi, Tom. Hi, Damon. Uh, well, just come smell me, Red Bull and over me, and uh, really celebrating with Checo. What a performance yesterday and today. Just incredible. Just I, I know that you get more access to Checo than anyone else on the grid. It's been a hell of a weekend for him. What's he been telling you? Oh, I have the chance also to be with him very closely. This morning we have breakfast. He was very convinced that he can manage a, a win here. Obviously, maybe he got a little bit help of the safety car, but then the performance was incredible. Keeping behind Max Verstappen is not easy. Do you think if, if Checo hadn't got the rub of the green with the safety car and that Max had come out ahead, do you think he could have passed Max Verstappen on the track today? I don't know. Max suffered a lot with the tires also, no? And with the balance. And maybe Checo was a little bit more, you know, on the tires. And he had a little thing in turn 15. And also Max, I think they were pushing very hard. Maybe, I don't know, you know when Max is in front with clean air, it's very strong too. I think it was a help and uh, when you have the chance, you have to do it. It's strange that the team doesn't notice that the car was there. It's easy to say now, no? But, I don't know, maybe too early, he was suffering with tires. That's what they call Max B uh, first. We had Helmut Marco on the show earlier and he said that Chaco has learned a lot. He's learned how to win and he's a very impressive man. Now, what has he learned since he's been at Red Bull? I think he, he learned to deal with the team first, to make himself respect, you know, because it's not easy to arrive to Red Bull after what happened with the rest of the drivers being by the side of Max Verstappen. And he learned a lot. And I think this year and the last year also, in one point of the year, he was like winning Monaco. He was very convinced he can win. And this year he started with that mentality. You know, the last laps in Saudi Arabia was impressive like today, you know, keeping Max behind with the same car. I know Max, have started back foot also in Saudi Arabia. And he mentioned it when he won. The first thing he said, we cannot have the errors we have in Australia. Like he is thinking in the World Championship. And I think that's impressive about Checo. 
he always seems to me as uh, he's got confidence, but maybe do you think he's g gained in self-belief a little bit here in the Red Bull team the last few years? Yeah, well, I think that he grow that confidence with the team, together with the team, and he could prove in some racetrack, not all of them, he can beat Max. And he was convinced of that. Well, you know that, no, <laughs> you've been with strong teammates also. And uh, he can get a chance. I asked Corner before the start if it's going to be free, you know, to fight the, both drivers. And he said, the first thing is one, two, and then they can fight. And I think it's, that's a, a fair quote, no? I don't know what's going to happen from here to the next races, but we, we know everybody's calling him the king of the street circuits, no? Are you? No, I mean, me and I heard around here, and uh, he has six wins and five are in the street circuits, and Singapore last year, Monaco. And now we have Miami, and then, okay, Imola, but then Monaco again. And he has that confidence in this kind of um, racetracks. I think he's going to have a, a chance, but Max, you know, Max is it's Max. <laughs> How much are you building Checo up at home? Are you selling him as, as, as world championship material? Are you getting everyone excited? No, we're not selling him like world champion because we know how difficult it is to win a world championship and more with a two-time world champion in, in a team that is maybe based around Max Verstappen. But anyway, I think uh, he has the chance. We're not going to build him like a world champion, but he, if he goes step by step, maybe he has the chance. Hello. Damon's giving me the look that says the look of a man who's got to get a bus to the airport to catch a flight to go home you have do you know what the wind's picked up the, yeah. the it's howling isn't it it's just, what's going it's crazy, on crazy crazy times time in back well, yeah. look <laughs> safe travels thank yeah. you Damon as ever and can you just can, I've said congratulations to Checo anyway but I mean I've always been a Checo fan I'm, I'm I make you no have secret actually. of it he, ha he and, has been a yeah, Checo, Checo fan I, watched, I like the way he drives and the way he conducts himself as well so and it's fun going to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> Good surfing there, okay. isn't it? Look, Damon, thank you Adios. so much. Juan. Adios. Juan, can you see anyone catching them this year or do you think they're, they're too far out the front? Well, the good thing that maybe I heard Charles when I asked him in the pen, he said, yeah, I mean, I think Red Bull was, you know, controlling a little bit the race, preserving the cars, and they were going flat out between Max and Checo. You can tell because they're hitting the wall. You, you, they're not like holding up some pace. And that's it's positive because we know that they are full throttle. They're, they're trying to get the best of the cars and the last laps. And even if, I know it's a lot the, the distance with Ferrari. I think Ferrari come to you know, finish the race, being in the first podium of the season. They, they found something, they got it last year and at one lap. And I think if they keep working on it, they're going to have a chance. They, they work in the, this four weeks. I think the best team that recover a little bit was Ferrari. They're far, far away yet, but I think they're very smart and maybe we can see Ferrari, I don't know, think challenging for the World Championship because if you hit first, it's going to be very difficult. But I don't know, maybe make the season a little bit more interesting. Maybe, <laughs> maybe in, the, in the second half, yeah. we could see them maybe when, winning a few races when Red Bull have done exactly. enough and, no, they're, and they're starting to focus on 2024. Yeah, and they have, you know, the restrictions and the one tunnel and CVDF. And I think maybe there we can have at least Ferrari wins or even Mercedes. Uh, today they were a little bit far. Aston Martin also, they didn't, you know, been like the first three races. They were very close to Charles, but because he was managing the tires. Then when they told him, you're free to go, he made the, the gap with Fernando. Um, it's, a, it's a shame because if you pull out the two Red Bulls, we have a very tight... It's so true. <laughs> it's so true. It would be... Yeah. 
Damon and I didn't really chat much about Aston Martin. So let's elaborate on the job that Alonso in particular has done this weekend. I mean, sensational overtake of, of Carlos Sainz in the race and then putting pressure on Charles Leclerc throughout. First time we've had you on the pod this year. Are we seeing, what, the best Fernando for, what, 10 years? The pace of that car has reinvigorated him, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. He was convinced, I don't know if, if from the beginning of the season it's going to be like this, but after the test, he's starting to think that it was possible, no? And even he thinks it's possible to, to fight for the championship. It's Do you think he's stage. still thinking that he, now? He, I don't know. He can, obviously, he say now 24 and 25. You know how he's Alonso. He likes to, sometimes he, he knows when, when he makes some declarations, he, you know how he is. But like he did, you know, he criticized Lewis. And then the, the last race after Australia, he said, what a driver. I cannot catch him. I was two seconds apart. He never made a mistake. And I think um, today he proved that he's not driving in a super manner. He's also thinking on Lance Stroll and the setup of the, you know, brake balance. The Lance, my brake balance suggestion, as I am now, I think it's a good help. Yeah, copy, Fernando, copy, I will understand. He have a vision a little bit different from the rest of the drivers and he's enjoying it. I think that's the most important. That's the first time I see Alonso enjoying driving, enjoying being able to fight for the podium and the win maybe become. I see a great synergy between Fernando and that racing team. More than I felt he had at Alpine, certainly yeah, sure. second time round at McLaren. They're all on the same page. And it's not often you say that with Fernando and the racing teams that he's driving for. Yeah, I think he has full support of Lawrence Stroll. Even, you know, Lance admire Fernando since he was little and they have a very good relationship. I think he, he's feeling home and I hope he can grab that 33, 33rd sorry, win because everybody's talking about that. Maybe they lost a little bit of ground. I thought it in this four weeks, maybe they catch up a little bit more Red Bull. I think Ferrari step a little bit in front of them. But I think that's track specific though, isn't yeah, it? It's yeah, a little sure. bit yeah. draggy yeah, yeah, and yeah. this is a long straight. And long straight and Ferrari was very strong in, 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 the, in the long straight. I mean, what amazed me is that DRS, Red Bull DRS is something that is incredible. And what about Alpha Tauri? Yuki Tsunoda once again coming home in P10. I see a, such a confident driver this year. I, I feel he's maybe the most improved driver on the grid. Would you agree? I agree. And maybe it's the position now that he feels number one in the team. Now, maybe the, he don't have that feeling before with Pierre. And now with Nick, maybe he have a step in that role. You know, and when you, you are confident and you know that the team is behind you, maybe he needs that. And uh, he's driving very well. He's very, I think it's, for me, uh, because I don't know much, maybe from long, long, long time ago, but one of the mentally strong drivers from Japan, I think, and talented. Um, I remember when he started, remember, blaming in the radios and that personality is not very common in a Japanese driver, no? they're more gentle. Then he come down, then he started to pick up pace and, and speed, and I like him, I mean, I think he, as you mentioned, I think he's, he's starting to surprise a, a lot of people. And of course, his racing team, Alpha Tauri, was in the news um, as we came into the weekend, following, well, confirmation that Franz Tost is going to yeah. step aside at the end of the year and make way for Laurent Mekies and Peter Bayer, who formerly was at the FIA. 
I caught up with friends at the start of the weekend just to talk to him about why he's stepping aside. Earlier or later, you have to leave, you know. Uh, I think 18 years is a long time, but it's not the 18 years. Yeah? It's, you must not forget, I'm now 67 years old. And um, I always said to myself, I don't want to be a guy, if I am once in the leading position, to glue on my seat. I always said to myself, um, if you come close to the 70s, leave your seat and give the chance to young people, motivated people, enthusiastic people, more experienced people. And uh, this is the case now with the replacement. Uh, Laurent Mekies is coming as a team principal and uh, Peter Bayer will be the CEO. This is a fantastic solution and I am more than happy about this, uh, to have uh, these two leading the team in the future to another level. What state are you going to leave the team in? At the end of the year and then we will see, I hope, that we will improve our performance. We are pushing very hard because uh, I don't accept that uh, we are running around at the back of the field. I want that our cars are at least in the points. And uh, this, of course, is the biggest target from my side now, uh, that we improve our performance and hopefully that we will finish in the Constructors' Championship in a better position as last year. And what about Faenza? Let's compare the Faenza of today to the one that Red Bull took over back in at the end of 2005. <laughs> As a, the first time when I came there, I was shocked, yeah, because uh, it was really by far not the infrastructure I expected from a Formula One team. And, um, you know, everything started quite simple. Dietrich Mateschitz called me and said, now we go to Italy. And uh, the pillars were quite easy. First of all, to use synergies with Red Bull technology, because uh, Mateschitz correctly said, I don't want to build up the infrastructure for two teams uh, from the engineering side. You just take everything over from uh, Red Bull Racing. Uh, and the second pillar is to educate young drivers. Okay, That means 2006, we just took over the cars from Red Bull Racing, which they raced the year before. And uh, in those days, you know, was the, the change to the eight-cylinder. And I remember back that uh, we got an air restrictor because we had the, 10, the V10 in there. Yeah. Worked everything well. In uh, 2007, we got uh, the first um, possibility to work together also with Adrian Newey. And in 2008, we had the Adrian Newey car. It was a 100% uh, car from Adrian Newey. We just had another engine. We had the Ferrari engine and they had the Renault engine. And um, because some of our competitors already in those days were totally against this solution, yeah, but we had then a very successful season with the victory of uh, Sebastian Vettel in Monza. And, you know, every medal has two sides. The one side is we won the race, fantastic, but the other side is our opponents uh, were quite upset and uh, FIA changed the regulation from one day to the next day. That means from 2029 and then onwards, uh, we had to design the car by ourselves. But by, we by far did not have the infrastructure for this. And this was a very interesting challenge uh, to bring the people to find, to find first of all, people are for the design office, 
then P for the production, then C also for aerodynamic. And um, it was an interesting time, but a really, really very challenging time. And um, I remember back that we had to build up containers because we simply didn't have a place for people. And um, then uh, we bought an old uh, building, uh, made it new, uh, renovated it, and uh, where we have now our um, uh, our main uh, headquarter. Yeah? So, and um, then year by year, we made steps forward, uh, especially on infrastructure, just improving everything a little bit. Yeah. And uh, it worked then quite well. Then uh, there was uh, the change to Alpha Tauri in 2020 from Toro Rosso, uh, which was uh, also another new step for us, yeah, because now we were the ambassador from a company, in this case from uh, Alpha Tauri, from the fashion uh, part, and it was very interesting. And then in 2020, we won the second Grand Prix with Pierre Gasly in Monza, which was, of course, a highlight. And uh, now with the new regulation change, we struggled a little bit last year with the car already. This year it's getting better. We reshuffled the aero department and I'm quite optimistic that uh, during this season we'll Im improve the performance and uh, that hopefully we will come back uh, to an acceptable position at Constructors' Championship, which is within the first seven. Is there any reason why this team can't win races on merit, on its own, in the future? In the future, I hope the team will win races. Yeah, uh, you know, we are working with young drivers, and if you look uh, back, we sometimes had even two new drivers um, per season, and uh, with um, rookies, you can't uh, you can't win a race. If you look to the current starting grid, the first four teams are so strong. Ah, from the technical side, but also from the driver side, that a rookie will not come there and uh, just win against them. You know, I remember back, Sebastian Vettel was driving for us. Uh, he won then later races and championships. Uh, also, he need a couple of years to get familiar with Formula One. The same with Max Verstappen. And uh, Formula One is much more difficult then people from the outside think to understand everything. A from the technical side, B from the driving side, C from, for example, the marketing, press work and everything. Yeah. You have to get a good balance, not to lose too much energy and uh, be um, tired on Sunday when the race starts. Then um, from the technical side to understand the tires, to understand the aerodynamic, uh, which influence does the mechanical side have. Yeah. Uh, you have to educate the drivers to understand this and this takes time and I always say until a driver knows what's going on in Formula 1 he needs three years why? the first year is uh, just flying away drivers come to the track everything is new for them even if they raced beforehand with a Formula 2 or a Formula 3 car but with a Formula 1 it's a, it's a completely uh, different uh, feeling and a different level of driving and speed and um, uh, you know this race here in Baku we have the first sprint race and uh, the rookies really don't have a, an easy time because they have just FP1 and then they have to go into the qualifying now someone will say yeah but they know where are the corners of course they know where are the corners but the grip level it's so difficult to 
assume the correct uh, grip level and to get most out of it with the braking points, with the turning in points, with acceleration, not to overdrive the car. Most often the rookies make the mistake to overdrive the car. They think now is the qualifying, I must brake later, I must push harder, and then of course they make mistakes. Um, but this they have to learn, yeah, because um, uh, the grip level is not always the same. Sometimes you have more sunshine, sometimes you have less sunshine, sometimes you have tailwind, sometimes you have side wind, sometimes you have wind from the back. This is everything a big influence on braking, for example, and uh, of the behavior of the car. And you have to learn this, you have to experience this. And this is something they do in the first and the second year. They got a little bit more familiar with everything. In the third year, they start to understand what are the tires doing? What is the aerodynamic doing? How can I change it? What do I have to change to make it better? And uh, then from the second part of the third year onwards and the fourth year, they should be prepared um, to win races or to be uh, in a position to fight against the others. So, friends, it's a very intense life in Formula One. What are you going to miss about it? And what are you going to do with all your free time? First of all, I will miss Formula One because I love Formula One. Uh, I will miss uh, many of the people, not all of them, but many of the people uh, uh, here in the paddock because um, there are some good friends. And uh, what do I do? Uh, first of all, uh, I go skiing in winter time because I haven't been skiing the last uh, couple of years with this calendar uh, because the best time for skiing is February, March and there we are racing. Uh, even not in Europe, far away. And uh, summertime I will be in the mountains, climbing, walking and so on and so on. Also, um, don't be afraid, I have a lot of plans in my head and I will not have a boring time. But I will miss Formula One, of course. Will we still see you at races? We will see uh, Minslav, uh, Red Bull offered me consultant uh, program. We have to discuss this in detail, but uh, I for sure will not be uh, at every race uh, because there is uh, Peter, there is Laurent, and I don't want to be there uh, uh, for advising or what. They know by themselves what to do. They don't need me. And you've got skiing to do. I have to go skiing, exactly. <laughs> so Franz Toss there, 18 wow. years in charge. The first team principal change they've had in the team's history. I mean, what do you make of it? He did a, a, a big things with, uh, with, with the team also. You know, the win with, with Seb, the win with Pierre. I mean, he, he knows how to drive young drivers, how, how to push them. The Red Bull Drivers Academy is very very tough and he managed to get all the drivers more or less ever, all of them you know Carlos Max Seb and uh, I think he did a great job I don't know exactly maybe you know more the reasons why he's stepping down but I think we're gonna at least everybody's gonna remember him like um, building drivers you know I don't know if it's the right word but construction drivers you know mentally strong and uh, and the way there were a lot of, of them that they don't make it but the ones who make it, they really, they step on Toro Rosso. They, they really prove that it's a good step or ladder to, to Formula One to the, to the top. And he's part of it. I mean, he's part of it. It's, you know, it's a really good point. I think the drivers that have gone on from Toro Rosso, the drivers who have got on with Franz Tost and have learned from him are the ones who have invariably gone on to have great success in Formula One. There is a direct correlation. And, uh, 
and he's there. no, you know, he's kind of in this sport. You have to be like that, you know. He he's very strict, very tough. I mean, he's very direct when you ask him something. You know, it's not very common. It's like kind of the same line of Dr. Helmut Marco, I think maybe. And uh, I think that that pays off, no, in, in, in this case. And Lauren is going back to Minardi. He was a Minardi, no? Yeah, kind started of, at Minardi. Yeah, Minardi, then. and uh, he's going back home too. Well, what a day, what a weekend. Uh, the one thing we didn't really cover with Damon before he He's probably in the air as we speak. I know how Damon <laughs> Damon travels, but what he's was a fast your, driver. Uh, no? He's a world champion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Juan, what was your take on the sprint weekend here in Baku? I like the, the idea of the sprint shootout. It was very fast, have an hour, you know, with a lot of action. I don't know if I will put the sprint shootout on Fridays with the FP1 and then Saturday they main quali uh, for the race on Sunday. Maybe, I don't know. Because it's, if not, it's like the Saturday is completely different from the whole weekend it's like a part you know you have fp1 quali for sunday and then the saturday if you put it apart it's, it doesn't make any change but if you put the shootout on friday maybe you get more attention to the quali on saturday i don't know it's my point of view but i think they have to do some changes like the tire location uh, or why it's mandatory to use a new set of tire and then you have lando or yuki sitting out of of the q3 Imagine if another team decide to do the same, then you have less cars. I don't know. Uh, it happens. Maybe watching this first weekend, they have the chance, and you know we can do changes now if they all more or less agree, and I think they should do something. Oh, and the last one, sorry. I don't think it's... For the show, it's fine to start a spring weekend in a street race uh, circuit, but I don't know. For the teams, damages, cost, and everything, you want the show crashes and things, but maybe you should start and more if it's some changes, the spring weekend in a regular track. Well, of course, next time out, it is Austria. You're going to yeah, get yeah. your wish when uh, that's the next <laughs> sprint weekend. We've got five more to go. For my two penneth, I, I agree. I think it's been a success. I like the changes that they've made. The only change I'd probably make actually is to the part Ferme regulations. I think we, we should free that up a little bit, but I like the format. I like the intensity of it. Esteban Ocon was talking about that earlier in the show. So well done, Formula One. Well done to the FIA. I think they've done an amazing job. While you and I were having a lovely Easter at home at Juan, uh, they were busy sorting out these regulations. Uh, Steve Nielsen at the FIA was telling me that you know that's how he spent his Easter. So everyone worked incredibly hard to get it done. And uh, Hats off to everybody involved. Let's quickly throw it forward to Miami. Can you see anyone beating Red Bull? Uh, not in the short time, I think. But it's kind of a, well, it is a street circuit race. And you're going to have a lot of, of walls also very close. And there's some tweaks now that they did in the, in the track. Um, the marina's going to have water in it. Yeah, and also <laughs> we're going to have a different paddock. No, it's yes, gonna be we're going to be inside, inside the stadium. I mean, that's exciting because it was so crowded and celebrities everywhere. There was no space. Oh, I, I think, think there's going to be plenty of celebrities oh, more, again. Maybe, yeah, you know, yeah. and they're going to have the chance to at least have more room and space. But going to the racetrack itself, I think we can see, but we saw the performance also from Red Bull last year. Imagine this year with this RBA 19. Um, but maybe some rain, you know that this time of the year, Miami can rain. Well, the whole track was underwater a yeah, month yeah. ago, wasn't That's it? That's right. So and, uh, not too much know, rain. <laughs> sometimes that kind of yeah. things can alter a little bit. But if not, I think uh, 
Red Bull for now will be unbeatable. Checo or Max? Oh, of course. I mean, I respect and admire Max because, listen, 81 po uh, podiums now today, you know, and, uh, but my heart is with Checo. And uh, if I see Checo very, very believe in himself and his team, his side of the box, and that's, if you have that confidence that you can win, you know, there's no team orders today, nothing to do, um, push, push, push. I think Checo's going to take the chance. I don't know how, how consistent he has to be. You know what happened in 2016 with Nico and, and, uh, and Lewis. And at one point, Lewis relaxed a little bit and Nico had the, that opportunity and he boom, boom, boom. And maybe Checo have the same chance. You know what happened if Checo wins again and Max retires and then, the, you know, and then you start building up that confidence and sorry, eh, the Max fans. <laughs> <laughs> we have lots of Max fans. Oh, but yeah, it, and Max is going to hear and say, no, no more interviews <laughs> to fun. But anyway. Uh, it's really, going to be very close between them. I They're both so. driving beautifully, I think. We've had that confirmed this year in the four races we've had so far. And, and Checo has raised his game, as Helmut told us right at the start of the podcast. And Max Verstappen needs no introduction. So let's look forward to a stunning race in Miami. But for now, it's been a brilliant weekend here in, in Baku. And Juan, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Tom. So the top 10 look like this. Sergio Perez took his second win of 2023, his sixth in Formula One. Max Verstappen was second and Charles Leclerc third, taking his first podium of this season. In fourth was Fernando Alonso, Carlos Sainz was fifth and Lewis Hamilton, the lead Mercedes in sixth. In seventh came Lance Stroll with George Russell eighth, he also set fastest lap. Lando Norris was ninth and rounding out the top 10 for a second race in a row, Yuki Tsunoda. In the Drivers' Championship, Max Verstappen still leads with 93 points, but Sergio Perez in second has closed the gap to just six with 87. Fernando Alonso is third with 60, then come Lewis Hamilton fourth, Carlos Sainz fifth, Charles Leclerc is now sixth after that podium in Baku, George Russell seventh, Lance Stroll eighth, Lando Norris ninth, and Nico Hülkenberg rounds out the top 10 with six points. In the Constructors' Championship, Red Bull Racing have a commanding lead after just four races. They have 180 points, with Aston Martin second on 87. Then come Mercedes third, Ferrari fourth, McLaren fifth, Alpine sixth, Haas seventh, Alfa Romeo eighth, Alfa Tauri ninth, and Williams are still tenth, with just one point after Alex Albon's tenth place finish in Bahrain. Well, that's how the real championships are standing. Let's now check in with our F1 Fantasy League. Our drivers for F1 Nation Racing this weekend were Verstappen, Alonso, Russell, Piastri and Yuki Tsunoda. And our constructors were Red Bull and Aston Martin. So overall, not a bad weekend for us. Both Red Bull drivers did us proud, as did Alonso in fourth place, George in eighth and Yuki in tenth. And the good news is that we can do it all again in Miami in less than a week's time. And remember... You can join our league at any time to compete against us and other listeners. Search for the F1 Nation World Championship. And if you're not playing yet, it's not too late to join. And it's totally free. Just search online for F1 Fantasy to sign up. Then choose your constructors and drivers using a $100 million budget. Well, that's it from us for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. We will, of course, be back next Monday with our review of the 2023 Miami Grand Prix. So please look out for that. But for now... F1 Nation is produced by Formula One and Audio Boom Studio. 